find an informative podcast all about training working dogs? Look no further than the LWDG Pod Dog. This weekly show is hosted by me, Joe Parrott, founder of the Ladies Working Dog Group. And I chat to experienced trainers and experts in the field who will give you helpful tips and advice. Whether you're just getting started or you've been working with dogs for years, this podcast will have something for you. So pull up a chair, pour yourself a cup of coffee and tune in to LWDG Pod Dog. Let us help you build a better bond with your best friend. Hello and welcome to another episode of LWDG Pod Dog. Today joining me is the amazing LWDG group expert, Samantha Thornycroft-Taylor, and we are going to be talking all about whether should gun dogs have free time. How are you today, Sam? I'm good, thanks, Joe. Thank you for having me on here. So this is a question that we see across many Facebook groups when it comes to gun dogs. And the debate on whether they should have free time or not is quite a, a heavily fought one. And um, what are your thoughts on whether should gun dogs have free time? Like you say, it, it is heavily debated. Um, and I think personally, I like my dogs to have free time. And I use the word free. It, it has certain sort of context with it. It's not completely free. It's not the world is your oyster. Go do what you want and I'll catch up with you when I catch up with you. There are still sort of certain rules and boundaries that they need to follow. So we need downtime. They need, I believe, downtime or playtime. They do obviously thrive on the mental stimulation and the being kept busy and being interacted with all the time. But it is good for them just to go and, and mellow for a bit. I think the conversation or the argument, should I say, comes from the fact that working dogs across the board, in times gone by, they very much lived in kennels and very much worked as a tool, not as a member of the family. They were brought out to do a specific job, then back to kennels. Um, And that's very different to the type of dog we see now. So the traditional old-style training, shall we say, it made sense for those dogs to only come out to do the job, didn't it? It did, yeah. And like you say, you know, they were largely kenneled. So whilst they were part of the family, they also weren't heavily involved in family life. Um, so when they came out of their kennel, they came out for a job to do, much the same as, you know, a, a working collie. They live in a kennel, they come out, they round up the livestock, they move them, and then they go back in their kennel again. So they just come out to do their job. And whilst that potentially makes it easier in a way to keep the training on a level it that like you say the crossover now more and more people have got a dog be it a working dog or a family pet that is that crossover sometimes it works and sometimes it's just a family companion and being able to find the middle ground within its life and its training as well is really important um you know you're going to want to take your dog with you when you go to the beach or when you go for a walk through the forest or even if you're just going for a jolly to the pub you don't want to have to leave it behind because it is a member of your family, but you want to know that it's going to behave when you're there. Um, and you want to know also that you're going to be able to have a conversation with your husband or your wife, your partner, your children, and that they're not going to get really annoyed because your mindset is, well, I, I'm with you, but I can't talk to you because I've got to wholly put 100% into my dog at all times. Um, so it's finding that middle ground. You've touched on some really like, quite important things there because if you've 
come from a lifestyle of having just a pet dog. The whole concept of should my dog have free time is probably not a conversation you've ever had with just a pet because pretty much most pets get constant free time. They they move around the house. They they they've still got obedience um, where people have spent some time putting some basic obedience into them, but they've not being taught to go out into a specific job in a specific place so this conversation doesn't even happen does it it doesn't know and and like you've said um you know they get a dog and a lot of normal normal people's the, the general consensus is that if you get a dog as a family pet you take it for a walk when you enter the park you take it off the lead it runs around like a mad thing it plays with every other dog in sight it might nick someone's tennis ball and have a bit of a game with that and then when you're ready you pick up the lead you call it in and you go home but obviously the dog's not had any form of interaction from you it's potentially interrupted other people's training or what they were doing with their dogs um you know and it would be lovely to be able to say right you know it's a bit like dropping kids off at nursery, I suppose, you know, there, there you go, go play and I'll catch up with you at the end of the day. But it's not wholly practical. Um, and we work with a lot of people who have bought a dog as a family pet, but it is actually a working breed. And the further they get into it, they realise that the genetics and the inherent traits within that dog, actually, it needs to do something. It needs to have something to keep its brain focused. Otherwise, they can be inclined to go a bit off the rails. Um, so I think more and more sort of family pet owners now are understanding that the dog needs a little bit more. Um, but certainly traditionally, like you said, you know, if you've got a dog, it was just a case of will you take it out for a walk. And that's pretty once you've taught it to sit and to come back, that's pretty much all you need to do. And if you are another pet owner and a dog runs over to you and they're all very fun and you're talking to lots of people, you're probably more forgiving of that situation than you are if you are training a working dog and you've just been asking it to sit and you've been working on sit for many many weeks and then this dog comes over and encourages your dog to break its sit we tend to see it not in a more um stressful way but we are there trying to train them to a job and just like those other people there with their pets trying to have fun and totally acceptable there's a little bit of a clash of of the conversation that's going on it definitely is. And it's quite frustrating if you're trying to teach your dog to do something specific and then some other seemingly out of control dog comes sort of bowling in and upsets your focus and your progress. Um, and also we've spoken about it before, but, you know, certainly since COVID, uh, there are a lot more dogs on the ground and a lot more issues with those dogs on the ground. So you might be in the park or at the edge of the park working on a dog that has become reactive to other dogs or it finds other dogs very stressful. So actually having another dog bounding over and wanting to play can be really unsettling and take back your training several steps. Um, so it is, again, it's something that we need to bear in mind when we're out. You know, it's not just a case of, is this the right area for me to train my dog? But it's what is going on with all the rest of these dogs is this going to be beneficial for all of us or are we going to end up going home feeling really disheartened and like nothing's working well we've sort of whatever maybe we didn't realize we were buying a working cocker or maybe we did realize we were buying a working cocker maybe we planned to work in maybe we didn't we've now got this sort of multi-purpose dog that's got two mindsets it's quite happy to be part of the family but then when we step outside it's 
genetics kick in, it's nose it to the ground, it's sniffing everything, it may go a little bit self-employed. I suppose that's when we panic a little bit about this idea of free time as well, is how much are we encouraging the dog to go off and do something? Exactly, yes. So it's important, particularly if you've got a dog that is a working breed, you need to try and nurture those natural traits within it. So it's not like, you know, the the very old style training where your dog was your tool and it did what you asked of it and it didn't dare step a foot out of line. But it's more nowadays about having fun teaching your dog or nurturing what it does naturally. So things like a working cocker and sniffing, we can teach it to sniff and to hunt and, and to quarter with us as part of a team so instead of saying right there's a hedgerow go sniff where they're inclined to just pick up a scent and follow it in a straight line several yards away from us we can teach them to work the ground properly so it's sniffing within reason um, and you know I think a lot of people get bogged down in the fact that they think training a working dog is really really hard it doesn't have to be. It can be a fun, pleasurable experience. There are always going to be bumps in the road, but that's no different to any other walk of life. Um, but I think a lot if you can get the training in in the early stages, if you can get through adolescence and you've got clear rules and boundaries for your dog and you've put real effort into the training up until that point, then you're in a better position to go on and have a long, happy life where you don't have to do as much, you know, definitive training every day. It can have more free time. It can have more sniffing time because you've already taught it that you don't want it to be four fields away chasing a hare. When we look at how we control our free time, I'm probably the worst of it. You start out, you have walking the dog, dogs on the lead. You, we tend to look on our phones or we're talking to the children. And we sort of with the dog, we're sort of not with the dog because we're with everybody else. That's a dangerous time for free time, isn't it? If we're letting them off and we are so distracted, that is when their instincts will encourage them to go further and further away from us. Definitely. It it really is sort of dangerous territory. Um, you're better off if you know that you're not going to be able to focus on your dog or at least keep, you know, 70 percent focus on what they're doing. Then you're better off saying, OK, I want to talk to my family. I want to discuss what we're having for dinner tonight or I've got to make a phone call. My dog's going to go on a lead next to me. I'm not insisting on perfect heel work at this point. I don't want to be dragged and I don't want the dog to lunge. But equally, I want to know that if I lose focus on it, it's not going to get itself into trouble. Um, So and that's where I said earlier, you know, if you can put some months, some time in at the beginning where you really focus on those rules and boundaries, then you can teach your dog, you know, a quick check in command or you can reaffirm the recall so that you can be having a chat with your, your child next to you. And at the corner of your eye, you notice that your dog's either its body language has changed. So it's suddenly piqued interest in something and you could just give it a quick sort of I want you back this way. Or if you see it disappearing off into the distance, you can interrupt that behavior before it becomes too much of an issue. So I teach mine as, as very young dogs. I teach them like an invisible boundary around me when they get about 30 yards away. I recall them back consistently so that they almost learn that's as far as you're allowed to go. 
until you get to such a point in your training where I then push you on further for whatever reason, be it a retrieve or, you know, anything else, they often get to the point where if you've been consistent, we're calling them back at that point, they then get to 30 yards away and they almost look back and check in with you and go, okay, what now, mum? So, you know, when they're consistently doing that, you can go, okay, yep, just hang on there for a minute until I catch up with you, or I'm going to recall you, or actually you're allowed to go on a bit further. But because you've put those rules in early on, they know that that's their outer limit. Um, But it does come down to being able to spot subtle signs and learning your dog's signs as well. So that, you know, if you are semi-busy you or semi not focused on them you can just spot the odd little thing that in your mind the instant reaction is I've got to get your focus back once you've got the focus back you can carry on having your conversation your dog's closer it's under control again and then you can continue your walk Um, but body language is a massive thing so what we're sort of talking about here is yes giving your dog free time but manage free time and I suppose it would be very similar if we think about it, it doesn't need to be a and or like no free time, total free time. There can be this managed free time in the middle where the dog can enjoy itself, but we can ensure it doesn't get into trouble. So we've got that conversation to have in our own minds within the dog gun dog working community. But then there's also this conversation to be had of when we are out in a park and we have those lovely well-meaning people who say to us oh let your dog run round let it go riot you're being cruel to your dog not letting it run round go riot we have to be strong on that conversation as well most definitely yes if you don't want your dog to bowl around with every other dog it meets then you have to be firm in your own thought process if someone comes over to you and says you know you're being cruel because they just want to play You've got to be able to stand firm and say, actually, my dog plays when I've told it it's allowed to play. But up until that point, I wanted to learn manners and I wanted to learn, you know, polite meet and greets and hellos. And I wanted to learn that not every dog is a plaything because that in itself can lead to things like lunging on a lead. If your dog has learned that it plays with every other dog it sees, As you then walk into that park with your dog on a lead next to you and it sees another dog in the distance, it's going to be desperate to go and play with it. So we want to teach that or teach our dog. There are times where I say, go on, go and have a quick play, you know, run off some steam and have some fun. But as a result of your dog being polite first. Yeah. The other conversation that that I see a lot around free time is it's a very interesting conversation is do I give free time and then train or do I train and then give free time now for me with my dad we always had a sort of plan I never questioned it at the time because obviously I didn't have the information I have from a community it was just me and dad and it used to be literally open every kennel door they would all charge out and I mean charge out like a pack hurtle across the the yard, out into a field, they would empty themselves in a corner, go to the toilet, run round, run round mad, back to the kennels. They would all go straight back into their own kennels. They knew which kennels they were meant to be in. And then we'd shut the doors. He would pick up a lead and they literally changed. And it was literally like, oh, now we train. So never barging out of doors. He would open a the door. They'd all sit. It was like 
that lead meant something to them, which meant we're changing our, our style now. Is that what we're looking for? Is where we say to a dog, this in this boundary, this happens, but in this boundary, this happens. Again, there's a crossover. So many people are in the same mindset as you've just described. It's either pure free time or it's 100% focus time. Um, And one of the biggest problems I hear from people that come to me for lessons is I haven't got time to train and walk my dog. Uh, And I've got two answers to it. One is that you can do both. You can have a training walk. So you can do either a walk where you're going from A to B or even a loop around and you're doing bits of training the entire way. Or you can do it so that you do a bit of focus, a bit of training, and then you let your dog have controlled free time and then you bring it back and revisit a a different element of training. But it's always worth bearing in mind. And there was a study done fairly recently and it proved that 20 minutes of mental stimulation is equal to an hour of just pure physical exercise in terms of tiring out the dog. So for people that say to me, I haven't got time to do both. I cannot dedicate enough time to physically exercise my dog on a walk and mentally exercise my dog on a training session. I'll say to them, well, actually, it takes far less time to just do the training. So if you're struggling with time, then I would advise doing training instead of a lovely long jaunt through the countryside. But if you want to combine the two, it is really a combination. Again, it's that middle ground. So we're doing bursts of training and bursts of free time, but still that free time is controlled. It's not 100% free for all. There are certain rules and certain boundaries that we've taught our dog as a younger dog that we expect it to follow. What you said there, you know, I haven't read that study, but even from my own experience, you can take a dog, just walk in with you, and they will naturally do their thing, they, they hunt naturally, etc. But don't ask them to do anything. Walk them for six hours. They can come home and they're like, let's go again. You take them out to a shoot. They have intermittent controlled, not training, because they're doing their job, but the equivalent of training. They're doing the same skills. And that night they will sleep like a log because, again, like you just said, it's ask them to work in a different way. It's asked them to work in a different way and it's asked them to use their brain. And that's the key difference. If you take a dog for a six hour walk across the moors, it'll come home physically a bit tired, but its brain is often still going at 100 miles an hour. So, you know, it's more likely, if you like, if it's your family pet in your kitchen to realize that you've left the bin open or you've just nipped upstairs and there's a roast chicken on the side. Its brain will be sort of mulling over potentially what cheeky things it can get into whereas if you take your dog out for a 20 minute training session and really put it through its paces test its knowledge push it a bit further in its training ask it to do several short bursts of different training they often then come back and you see them and they sort of flop in their bed and they're like oh wow uh i might just have to mull this over for a bit and they often then sleep for ages because their brain then is tired so it's similar to us we get to the end of the working day you know she spent the whole day in the office five to five comes around and your brain isn't being um practical anymore it is you know it's not productive you are literally just waiting for the clock to tick five o'clock so you can switch your computer off and go home same thing for a dog give it those 
20, 30 minute bursts of full on mental stimulation. And it's much, much more tired than it will be if you purely take it for a walk. Your example there of an office, I think, is probably the perfect way of, of showing it to people or explaining it to people because you can have people who've literally walked 2,000 steps. I know for myself, I can sometimes look at my watch and it's basically like, you dead? I haven't moved, but I've been on the computer all day and I am absolutely like, please don't question me, don't ask me to cook, just let me alone. Whereas it's very different if you'd gone out again. I've gone out with the kids and I'm going to walk around the park. It almost reinvigorates me to just walk and have free time and do those things. So when our dogs are sort of running around doing their own thing, it's also exciting them and winding them up a little, isn't it? Definitely. It's And it's also leading to more chances of them self-rewarding. And I think, again, that's one of the biggest areas of, of issue when people give their dogs free time. Um, you know, we have to remember that a dog's nose is far superior to ours. We've got something like six million olfactory receptors in our noses. Dogs have about 300 million. So they sent things further away. They sent things in a much wider uh, parameters than we do. You know, we might sort of walk along and go, oh, someone's been spreading a field today, but the dog under its nose has got mice, rabbits, the dog that was there before, the bitch that was there a couple of weeks ago that was in season, a horse might have passed through. You know, it's processing so many things all very in a very short space of time. And if we give them too much free time and we allow them to get carried away with this sort of thing, they invariably end up following the scent chasing the scent, ignoring things like our recall, and they're therefore self-rewarding, which leads us down the path of needing to correct our recall, explain to the dog that there are certain, not harsh or negative, but um, consequences to ignoring our commands in the first place. And the more the dog manages to self-reward, the more likely it is to do so. So if you've got a dog that you were giving free time when it was four months old and it didn't go that far away, but you didn't sort of get on top of your training there, when it gets older, bolder, more confident, it starts getting further and further away. It starts self-rewarding more frequently. And you then end up in position with a dog that actually a lot of the time you're almost scared to let off the lead because as soon as you do, it's bounding for the horizon. So for dogs, their ability to smell is almost, I think, as you were explaining there, I was thinking it's a little bit like people on TikTok, just tiny, tiny bits of information, many millions of them over and over and over. But that is just so um, rewarding. You just keep scrolling, you know. I see my husband sometimes on TikTok. I never thought you'd be like the TikTok type person. And he's, he's engrossed for hours. And then if you now sort of relate, you can see why a dog's nose down, finding all those little bits of information, like all the time, is very, very rewarding, very distracting. Definitely, you know, and I'm, uh, your husband, if he's busy and engrossed on TikTok and you say to him, oh, darling, I think we ought to go out and buy a new wardrobe, the response to you is probably, uh-huh, because he's not really listening. He hasn't taken on board what you've said to him because he's so engrossed in what he's doing. So again, we need to find ways to, interrupt that being engrossed you know so if your dog is or if we teach our dog that we say their name and that means yep then we've got their focus back so we want our dog to learn every time we call their name they go yes mum yes dad 
what next? So we've already brought their focus away from the thing they were engrossed in and we can then move forward together in a happy fashion. So, you know, if your husband's engrossed in TikTok, if you say to him, excuse me, Mr. P, and he goes, yes, Joe, you can then go, right, I think we need to go and buy a wardrobe. And you'll probably find that you'll enter into a conversation as to why you need another flipping wardrobe and you've got enough in the house already, but you've brought his focus back. He's no longer self-rewarding himself with TikTok. <laughs> He's going to absolutely kill me for this conversation. But I think, <laughs> I think if he was here now, he'd say, well, actually, Joe, you're quite engrossed too. But yeah, again, it's the same thing, isn't it? And I wonder, you can probably tell me far more about this than I would know. What happens if you've got more than one dog and they've got free time where they're just self-rewarding? Is that an even more worrying situation? It can be. So you can have two dogs that will lead each other astray, Um, you know, and particularly if you've gone down the route of getting litter siblings, then, you know, they can almost communicate without any outward signs of communication because genetically they're on the same wavelength. Um, But if you see dogs playing together, even if they're not related, you know, they're both sniffing around in the hedgerow. Neither of them are particularly over the top about what they're doing. And then one of them suddenly goes, oh, what's that? Because its body language has changed, because it's suddenly piqued interest in something else, the other dog then goes, oh, what's he seen? So then you end up with two dogs focused on something that potentially might draw them away. And if one goes further away, but they've got backup of their, you know, their brother or sister, for want of a better description, then they're more confident to keep going. Um, So I was asked the other day by a client, uh, is it the right time to get another dog? And my response to them was, you only really want to consider getting your second dog when you're happy with the training and the place that your first dog is at. A lot of people believe that if they're struggling with training one dog and they're struggling potentially with keeping its interest on them and their focus with them, then a new puppy will bring it back. But actually, the puppy will pick up the bad habits before the older dog picks up the good habits. So you then end up with two dogs that are too far away, out of control and not listening to you. Um, I mean, I many, many years ago, I had an older dog who she'd easily reach retirement. She had paid dividends over the years, worked hard. And I used to take her out with the rest of my dogs and I could be out with a group of sort of 10 to 15 dogs. And if she found something that was interesting, And I said to her, leave that. I quickly realized that every other dog I had with me picked up on, leave what? And so where I had one dog interested in something that I wanted to bring away from it, I then had 10 to 15 dogs going, oh, well, we're going to go and investigate this now. So actually, I was better off almost ignoring the fact that she'd found something or quietly going over to her and drawing her away from it than I was alerting the other dogs to the fact there was something I didn't want any of them near. They're so clever, aren't they? You know, the, the fact that they picked up what was a leave command and turned it into a, that means it's something interesting command. Um, yeah. is, it shows their level of intelligence. Um there's some fantastic masterclasses in the Society Squad on keeping the connection, walking with dogs, um, doing lots of recall. Everything is in there. So if you want any more information on the topic we've been covered, you can look in there. Sam's got loads of masterclasses in there as well. But if they want to contact you directly, Sam, how should people contact you? Uh, so uh, I'm either on your 
um, Facebook groups or they can contact me on my website, which is langua.gundogs.co.uk. It's got all my contact details on there. I'm on Facebook. Um, give me a call, send me a message. You might need to try a couple of times because I don't often pick up my phone when I'm out with the dogs, but I will eventually get back to you. Um, but if you've got any questions, I would certainly love to hear from you. Well, thank you for an excellent um, podcast as always. And thank you to those listeners who are sharing images of them listening as they go to work or walking the dog. We do love to see you listening into LWDG Dog. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and we look forward to seeing you all next week. Thank you for listening to LWDG Dog with me, Joe Parrott. Now, we all know training a dog takes time, energy and patience, but our lives can be really, really busy. Don't worry, the LWDG has got you covered. Join us for our free planning workshop where we'll show you how to use short 10-minute training sessions each day to fast-forward your dog's education. Our experts have years of experience in training dogs and will help you get started on the right foot. Register now and start making progress with your furry friend today. Go to our Facebook page, The Ladies Working Dog Group, and click on the pinned post. Or visit www.thelwdg.com. Thank you.